Welcome to the unspoken truths of digital leadership, living the leadership values. Our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the values, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. Discover how they lead more effectively, how they make decisions, how they live their leadership values, and how they deal with the consequences that happen because of the decisions that they make. I am John Opoon, I will be your host of the show. Please note that there may be explicit language used during the interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Troops of Digital Leadership, Living the Leadership Values, where our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the dark side, and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. And today I have a guest, a very special guest that I've been following for a few years now. He is an entrepreneur, a father of five, also the founder of Pod Booker. And also, can I pick your brain podcast? And he is known as Daniel Geffen. Thank you, Daniel, for coming. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Appreciate it. I appreciate you setting up uh, Podbooker, like I mentioned just before that we clicked to go live. What got you into podcasting and how did you get here? Because you're, I forgot to mention, you was also, you are also an author of the self-help addict book yes yes um so uh i guess the there's a long story which we could be here for days and then there's the short <laughs> and there's the short story which i think uh for the sake of your audience i'll keep it brief um so uh, essentially originally podbooker came about um i had this phone call four years ago um, I guess I'll give a little bit more backstory. So my backstory really is um, I was the, the classroom clown, right? So I was the guy, I was the guy in high school that would get up on tables and basically perform, try to get everyone's attention, and I would always get detention for that. You know, do they do they, do they call it detention in the US? By the way, we, it's UK, but we still use detention as well. You use detention as well. Okay. Um, no, because I'm from the UK. So I was wondering if you're uh, for those listeners who are in the US or Australia <laughs> or Japan or China or say, wherever you are. Um, detention is when you basically get uh, detained, you basically get held back after school uh, for being a naughty boy. So I was, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was that kid that kept getting detention. Um, but that wasn't even so bad. I, I, I actually didn't care to get the punishment. I was willing to to get the attention, um, even though I knew the consequence was getting in trouble for it. Um, but what really hurt was when I think I got to a certain realization that the people in the class were not laughing with me, they were laughing at me. So essentially I was sort of like the little monkey that had to perform for everybody else. Um, and I basically had no, you know, nobody who, who I could really call a friend. Um, so that was a very harsh sort of reality. Um, and the, the hardest part about it was that I kind of felt that I was stuck being the clown. Like I couldn't stop um, until I got much older. And then I, I, was, I had a mentor of mine who told me, I'll never forget these words. He said to me, Daniel, you don't owe anyone a clown. And uh, I think it's really important for 
you know, someone who might be listening to this who feels that they have to be in a certain situation, whether it's a relationship or whether it's in a job or whatever the case may be, where you feel like you have to be there because you owe it to someone else. Um, I want to pass on the message that you don't owe anyone anything. You owe it to yourself first. Mm -hmm. And so that for me was was really important to realize that um, I don't owe anyone a clown. And you know, fast forward now to today, um, I still perform, but I perform from a place of wanting to perform because I have something that I want to share with other people. Um, and it's not coming from a place of need, like I need to share this. Um, so what happened was, is I ended up working for uh, a number of different companies and realized very quickly that I couldn't work for other people. It just, <laughs> just didn't work for me. Um, I just kept getting fired um, for not wanting to, to, you know, be at a specific place at, at a specific time and told when to eat my lunch and when to go to the bathroom. And it just, <laughs> just really didn't work for me. So um, at, at one point, my wife, uh, who is incredible, she's my biggest fan and my biggest supporter. Um, and she said to me, Daniel, why don't you go and start your own business? And I said to her, you know, I don't have any experience. I don't have a degree. I left high school um, early. What do I know? And she said, well, you know, that's what an entrepreneur is. An entrepreneur doesn't need to have degrees or anything. You just figure things out. And so I started my own my own company and, and you know, ended up um, pretty much scaling it up and, and building a successful offline business. Um, and then what happened was four years ago, I get a phone call from someone who said, Daniel, um, I heard you have an interesting business story. I'd like to have you on my podcast. And I turned around to this guy and I'll never forget what I said to him. I said, what the heck is a podcast? <laughs> I had no idea what a podcast was. And so he had to explain to me what it was. And I got, I got really excited because I thought to myself, wow, I've never spoken in public before. And um, I'd love to be able to, you know, share my story. So I get on this podcast and an hour went by really quickly. Like it felt like five minutes and I felt, just fell in love with the microphone. And at the end, he said, Daniel, that was great. Thank you so much for coming on my show. And I, I had this thought in my head. I said, well, is it just me and this guy? Like, is anyone actually listening to this? Right. So I said to him, I said, is anyone listening? Like how many people are listening to this? And I thought maybe he's going to tell me like 20 people, 30 people, right? Which would have been fine. You know, that's 20, 30 people that didn't know me before. And if one of them can be helped, if I can help someone, then great. And he said, Daniel, there's over a thousand people listening. And I fell off my chair. Like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's crazy. There's no way. And he said, yeah. I said, well, where are these people? He said, well, they're all over the world. <laughs> he starts listing all these countries. And that's when I realized I need to get onto podcasts like ASAP. This is going to be huge. Now, four years ago, podcast was not really well known. Most people didn't know what a podcast was. But I started my own podcast. I called it Can I Pick Your Brain? And I decided I'm going to pick the brains of some of the most successful business people in, in our generation. Well, there were only two problems with this. Number one, I didn't know any successful business people. <laughs> Number two is I didn't know how to create an audience. Like I had a 
uh, an offline business, but I didn't know anything about online. Like I didn't have a social media account. So no social media following, no online presence. I was invisible. And I'm thinking, how do I get people to listen to this podcast? And then suddenly I had this, this idea. I thought, hold on a second. That guy had a podcast with a, a thousand people listening. Why don't I go on other people's podcasts and leverage other people's audiences? And then hopefully they'll come and listen to my show. So that's what I ended up doing. And within a very short period of time, I got my podcast up to over a quarter of a million downloads, uh, became a top-ranked podcast on iTunes, interviewed four billionaires, the smartest man alive, the leading hostage negotiator for the FBI, the U.S. memory champion, and a whole host of other incredible uh, guests. Um, and so that's the first part of the story. The second part of the story is I started getting bombarded with all these emails from PR agencies and you know, and book publicists trying to get their clients on my podcast as a guest. And the problem was is that they all sucked. They were really bad. Like all of these emails were just the same email. They all sounded the same as, you know, as everybody else. They were boring and they didn't have a relationship with me. So I just kept sending them to spam. I had this special spam folder just for them, you know, just get out. <laughs> And so after a couple of months of getting all these emails dozens of times a day, I woke up one day, this is about three years ago now, and I suddenly had a realization. I said, hold on a second. I have my own top-ranked podcast, and I'm friends with all these other top-rated podcast hosts, so I've got the relationships, and I know about podcasts, and I know how to build a podcast and grow it. And number two is I've been a guest on over 60 podcasts and I've interviewed over 150 high-profile guests, so I know what a great guest sounds like. So I knew about the host, and I knew about the guests. Why don't I start a podcast booking agency? And so that's how Geffen Media Group was was born. And so we ended up um, getting some you know, big authors on some of the top podcasts in the world. And then about a year ago, I I had this idea for a platform. I said to myself, you know, what about all these people who want to get on podcast, but they can't afford to spend thousands of dollars to hire a podcast agency? Um, and they don't know where to begin. Like, how do they find the right podcasts? How do they reach out to the hosts? You know, no one's helping these people. And then you also have all of these podcast hosts. There's over 1.5 million podcasts out there. So, you know, it's only the top, let's say, maybe the top 10% are getting guests from PR agencies and, and booking agencies. But, you know, 90% of podcast hosts are not getting guests for their show. How do they find them? And how do they grow their show, right? The biggest problem that podcast hosts have is how do we grow our show? How do we build up the download numbers so we can get a sponsor or so we could charge for guests to come on or however they want to monetize the show, right? Most podcast hosts, I would say probably 90 to 95% of podcast hosts are not making any money from their podcast, right? So that's when I had the idea for podbooker.com. So essentially podbooker.com became a platform where you have guests and hosts that can meet each other and book themselves on each other's podcasts or book themselves on other podcasts on the platform. Amazing. <laughs> that's the short version. <laughs> that's short version. That's that's very very cool. I love the fact that you said your biggest supporter is your wife. 
because I had a very similar conversation um, with one of my friends during the interview as well. And I also said the same thing. My fiance now um, is also my biggest supporter and biggest rock in my life. And I'm, I, you know, and the, I'm sure that the amazing partners that they are, they would encourage us to start our own thing and go out and crush it, right? And do our own, own thing that we enjoy instead of being unhappy working for someone else or being in an environment where we're not growing and doing what we love. Yes. So yeah. I'm, I would appreciate and also, um, thanks to your wife for encouraging you to step out otherwise you wouldn't be creating what you have done so yeah over the last few years right yeah no she's behind everything pretty much it's amazing to hear so when you started creating your online business and you know you look you know the the marketing and the growth that's probably the, the i would say that's the most challenging part is growing your online that presence, uh, channel, brand, <laughs> everything, right? And then also audience as well, you know, getting your message out there because at the end of every podcast host has a message that we want to spread and we mm -hmm. want to share to the world. And of course, cutting through noise is probably one of the toughest things to do online. What would be your yeah, advice or strategies behind in, in helping people grow their podcast audience? To grow their podcast audience, um, you know, there's no question getting on other podcasts is the number one way because, number one, that's where all the podcast listeners are, right? They're, they're listening to podcasts, right? Um, and two is because right now it's free, right? Mm. Um, uh, you When you post something on social media, um, it might be free to do that, but how many people are you reaching, really, right? I mean, you know, I have 5,000 uh, friends on Facebook, for example. It's like the maximum you can have. When I put out a post, you know, you're lucky if Facebook shows it to 100 people, right? Um, it's a small percentage of people that actually get to see it. Um, whereas with podcasts, you know, you're getting listened to by everybody who's listening to the podcast, right? Um, the other thing is attention. So on social media, people's attention span is very short, very, very short. The average attention span is about eight seconds, which is one second less than a goldfish, which is terrible. Um, and if you think about where people are when they're on social media in, in terms of their headspace, um, they're either sitting on the toilet till their thighs go numb, scrolling through their feed, or they're lying on the bed, or they're sitting on the couch. So they're, they're, just, they're in passive mode. They're not really in proactive mode right and so those people when you're trying to get their attention whether it's promoting your book or promoting your product or service or trying to get them to follow you that's not the best uh time for to, to reach out to people because then they're just they're really in just sort of mind-numbing mode mm. right Whereas with podcasts, people who listen to podcasts, if, if someone's listening to this podcast, it's because they've taken time out of their day to invest in themselves, right? They want to grow. They're growth-minded people. People who listen to podcasts are growth-minded people. They invest in themselves, and they are always looking to, to learn more and to grow. And those are the people that you want to speak to because they're the ones that are going to invest in whether it's your book or whether it's 
um, your course or your product or service, whatever you're selling. And here's the amazing statistic. Over 85% of people that listen to podcasts listen to the whole thing from beginning to end. And the average podcast is about 45 minutes long. That's crazy. That means you've got someone's attention for 45 minutes in today's generation. That's gold. You mm. can't get that kind of attention anywhere. You know, you can go on YouTube and put up videos, but the chances are you're going to get maybe like, you know, 33 people watching it and they might watch like, you know, 50 seconds of it, if that. 45 minutes of undivided attention is, is unbelievable. And the fact that you can do that and not pay any money for that is incredible. Like right now, I would say probably around 90 to 95% of podcast hosts don't charge for their guests to be on their show. Like this didn't cost me any money to come on this podcast, right? Well, what's really important to know is that that's going to change because, you know, it used to be with, let's say, Google AdWords. Do you remember back in the day when it used to cost 10 cents a click yep. to get you know, 10 pennies a click, whatever it is? Yeah. Um, I mean, those were the hate. That was, that was the heyday. People got very rich, very wealthy mm -hmm. because they invested heavily when it was cheap. Um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk always says that you've got to find the undervalued attention. Wherever the undervalued attention is, that's where you want to be because that's where you'll, you'll get the most. That's where you'll make the most out of it. So when YouTube was undervalued attention, meaning that there weren't that many people posting on YouTube, Gary Vaynerchuk became very, very big off the back of that wave. And you see this with many different platforms where the early adopters, they end up you know, becoming major influencers because they just got in at the early stage. Well, right now, we're at the early stage of podcasts. Even though podcasts have been around for a number of years, it's only very recent, I would say the last two or three years, that it's really taken off. There's now 150 million Americans listening to podcasts, right? But if you think about it, you know, 1.5 million podcasts is nothing. It's a drop in the ocean compared to, let's say, blogs. There are over a billion blogs, right? Think about how many YouTube channels there are, right? So right now, we're still early. And because podcast hosts are not charging yet to have people on as a guest, now's the time that you want to be jumping on there, right? If you want to if you want to um, use Google AdWords, you know, for, for any decent keyword, you're looking at 10 to 20 to 50 to $100 a click, mm -hmm. right? And so I have, for example, for my clients, when we, we, we used to have one podcast that we booked our clients on and it was free. And today that same podcast charges three and a half thousand dollars per guest. <laughs> wow. Understand? That's crazy. Right. But that's setting a trend now. I've noticed a lot of different podcasters, especially the bigger shows, they're charging between five hundred and a thousand dollars a guest. Now, if you're getting on 10, 20 podcasts, that's going to add up. That's going to be a lot of money. But today, right now, I would say for the next six to 12 months, you've got an opportunity, a golden opportunity to be getting on as many podcasts as you can and not pay any money for that. Um, so. If anyone listening to this really wants to start growing their audience, this is the number one way to do it, hands down. And use Podbooker as well. Because that's well, obviously, yeah, sign up to podbooker.com. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
I absolutely love it. Um, I personally love it because I've used it myself, and I also got my a few guests from there, and also booking myself onto other people's podcasts. That's similar topic to what I do with leadership, digital marketing, mm -hmm. and and entrepreneurship. But Daniel, let's talk about the self help addict. How did you get into that? area because that sounds very familiar to myself or to any growth listeners right is we're constantly looking for self-help books or self-help seminars or tony robbins mm -hmm. and all those empowerment stuff so can you share yeah. about yeah you know, how did you get into it and what what made you write that book uh so that book essentially was uh 10 years in the making um, I procrastinated about writing it for 10 years and then I finally wrote it. It took me a year to write it. Um, but the reason why it, it took me that long to write it was because I was the self-help addict, right? I was addicted to self-help. Um, basically self-help addiction is similar to any drug where you, you just find yourself constantly, uh, com compulsively and obsessively, um, going back to the drug in order to fill a void that you have essentially it's an escape um and i used self-help as as my escape as my drug um so classic example would be i would go to the bookstore and i would go to the self-help section and spend about an hour or two hours just looking at titles like you know that's like kind of a drug dealer like you know i mean a drug buyer looking at all the different types of drugs and like what quality of the drug like which drug should i get you know uh, <laughs> And then I would finally like find like the book that I felt was going to change my life, right? Um, and and then I'd end up taking a marker pen and basically harassing the thing, and uh, you know until it was pink or blue or yellow, whatever color the marker pen was at the time, and the whole book ends up you know filled with marker pen markings, um, which defeats the whole purpose because <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. Um, yeah, for people not watching the video, I guess uh, Jono just showed his marker pen collection. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're a self-help addict, the chances of you having a uh, marker pen is very high. Um, so we end up marker penning the whole book. And then what happens is we get to the end of the book and I would have this sinking feeling inside of, uh-oh, you know, I've got to the end. Now, now what do I do, right? Because while I'm reading the book, you know, I could justify the fact that I'm just learning. I'm learning, I'm gathering information, so I don't need to do anything. But the problem is, is that, you know, it's all about doing, right? This, the, the, you know, if you wanna get things done, you gotta, you gotta do something. You can't just think about it. You can't just have great ideas, right? I had a billionaire on my show, Jeff Hoffman, uh, who owns booking.com and hotel.com and priceline.com. And I said to him, I said, Jeff, you know, there's 2,000, there's only 2,000 billionaires in the entire world. So that's pretty incredible that, you know, you managed to, to do that. How, how did you do that? What, what's the difference between a billionaire and everybody else? And he said to me, he said, Daniel, it's actually quite simple. I have a, a motto that I live by, and that is that I welcome ideas, but I worship execution. It's all about the execution. Ideas are a dime a dozen, right? There's ideas all over the place. You go on Google or YouTube and you can find everything, every single bit of information. If you want to grow uh, a cactus plant in your back 
garden, you go on YouTube. If you want to take a spaceship to the moon, you go on YouTube. I mean, you can literally learn anything now. So information is it's cheap. It's it's not worth much, right? It used to be back in the day, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, whenever it was, information was actually very valuable because it was scarce. So if you had information, people would pay a lot of money for that. Today, information is easily readily available. It's like you go to the beach and someone's selling sand. You'd probably look at him like he's mad. Like, what the hell are you doing? There's sand everywhere. I don't need to buy it from you. And so today, execution is everything. It's the, it's the person that actually goes out and actually d does something with the information. The person who's able to convert that information into something tangible. And you know, there's unfortunately very few people who execute because we justify not doing by just learning more and more and more and more. And the reason why we do that is because we're afraid. We're afraid to execute because we're afraid to fail. And so what happens at the end of the book is I go to the website and I check out the website and then, oh, there's a course. Oh, it's free. Let me take this course. And then, so then, you know, I watch the course. Of course, I've got my notepad with my pen and I've I'm writing a whole book on <laughs> this person's notes you know, on the course, right? And then at the end of that, I, he's, you know, the person or, you know, says, oh, if you want to find out more, if you want to go deeper, then just sign up to my special course that's only $199, limited time offer, you know? So, of course, whip out the credit card, you know, got to pay the $200 for the course because this is now going to get me to the next level, right? And it goes on and on, you know, next thing you're flying to Vegas to an event and you're spending $3,000 and then you come back and you're back to square one again, you go back to the bookstore and you buy another book. So this was the cycle that I found myself in and I decided to essentially uh, break the cycle by getting into the habit of taking action. So for example, people who are thinking, oh, I need to get on podcasts, but you know, I don't know if I'm ready yet. You know, you're 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 never ready. Like, there's never a, there's never ever um, a situation where you're fully ready ever. You're never ready to get married. You're never ready to have kids. You're never ready to start a business. You're never ready to start a book. You're never ready to you know get on podcasts. It's it's you just have to do it. You have to just take the action. What was your escape that you were looking for in self help? That's a great question. Um, essentially, I believe that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. Mm. And because we're spiritual beings having a physical experience, we have a spirit inside of us. And the spirit comes from a world that is not confined by physical limitations. And because of that, we're searching. We're, we're creatures who are constantly searching. We're always on a search. Um, the problem is you can't find it in the physical. You can only find it within, in the spiritual realm. Um, and so until you discover your spiritual side and your spiritual self, you're always going to be running for chasing whatever it is, whether it's women, men, money, respect, attention, fame, you're just going to, you, you never, you'll never be satisfied. It just doesn't, 
it, it's like having a bucket with a hole in it. You can keep filling up the bucket, but until you realize that there's a hole in the bucket, you're just you're never going to fill it up. Did you find yours? Like your deeper root cause of, you know, heading towards self-help. The reason I asked that is because yeah. I went into self-help uh, and personal development because I never really had a role model in my life to follow. So my parents, yes, they're amazing parents, but they never been like the guide or the support I needed to find my my way in life. Mm -hmm. So I was searching elsewhere and obviously I went into self-help and my mentors become my role models in a way because they were creating success or making a life out of themselves or making a difference. And so therefore they become my, my role models. Mm -hmm. So I was in self-help to search to be more capable because I was always, you know, I'm the only child. So therefore a lot of my habits or a lot of my upbringing was you know, during childhood, I was just taking care of my parents. So there's a lot of that spoiled feeling. Yes, I get that. Mm -hmm. But also because they did so many things for me as a child, I wasn't, I didn't have the belief in myself to think that I'm capable of doing things for myself. Mm. So therefore I palmed off a lot of responsibility onto my parents. Yeah. And also I started playing the blame game. I don't have this in my life because of this or because of you or whatever. I was playing that victim. And so in yeah. self-help, I started growing, you know, building confidence, gaining knowledge, the discovery, the spiritual path, the awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would, that's the reason I went into self-help. What was, was it for you if you managed to get into that space? Ah, uh, uh, yes, I definitely relate to a lot of that. The blame game is a great game. We love playing that one. Um, essentially, first of all, to answer the question that you asked, which is, you know, have you found yourself? Have you have you suddenly become enlightened? Um, I, I don't believe um, that. I think that those who are enlightened realize how little they know when you think you know it all when you think you've arrived the chances are you're very far from arriving usually it's when you realize that you haven't arrived that you've woken up and now you can begin right so once you w when you think that you that you have it then that's when you got to realize uh oh <laughs> so it's a very long it's a very long discussion but basically um i think the main the main goal right now in this generation is to heal ourselves um and to find peace within ourselves so that we don't feel the need to to gain respect and to gain attention and love from other people it has to start in yourself so that's something that I'm working very hard on, on, on myself. I, I, there's a Jewish um, ancient mystic who once said, all you need to do is remove your hand from your eyes. Meaning that we are holding our hand 
on our eyes and we're saying, it's dark, I can't see anything, I'm lost, I don't know where to go. And this, the Baal Shem Tov, which is an ancient Jewish mystic, said, all you need to do is remove your hand from your eyes. That's all it is. And the beauty of it is its simplicity. It's, it's so simple. And if you think about it, it he, he doesn't say you have to remove someone else's hand on your eyes, right? Or he doesn't say that somebody blindfolded you. It's that me, I, I have my own hand on my eyes. I'm in control of my own freedom. And all I need to do is remove my own hand from my eyes. Now, even though that's so simple, but here's what's not so simple. Recognizing that you have your hand over your eyes. Most people have no idea. So an analogy that I came, that I thought of was imagine you're, someone is born in a dark room. And they're born into this place that, that seems very dark and they don't know where to go and they don't think that there's anywhere else to go. They're just stuck in this room. It's dark. And one, one, all of a sudden they hear of a voice that says, you know, there's a switch, there's a light switch in the room. And all they need to do is flick the switch. So now they have the knowledge that they need, just need to flick the switch. And it's a very simple thing. I mean, if you ever turned on a light, it's very easy. <laughs> you just switch the switch and boom, light comes on, right? But now he has to start the journey of going around the room slowly and finding this switch. But once you find the switch, you flick it and boom, the light comes on and it's just unbelievable because you're just like, whoa, <laughs> all this time I'm sitting in darkness and all I had to do was just, whoop, there it is. And that flick of a switch is the understanding. It's understanding who you are as a person and who you were created to be and why you're here. And once you can recognize that, you're going to feel a love that's undescribable for yourself. And once you have that love for yourself, what happens is it will automatically, organically, naturally overflow into the people around you. So your children, your spouse, your neighbors, your friends, they will notice a difference in you and they will want to be around you because that love is so infectious and contagious they want it so much. Everyone wants that. That's all we want. All we want, everyone. You ask people, what do you want? They'll say, I want a million dollars. No, you don't. I want a desert island. I want an island. Uh, I want. No, you don't. That's not really what you want. What we really want is we want to have this tremendous feeling of, of love for ourselves. We just want to feel at peace with who we are. We want to know who we are and what purpose we serve. And that's really ultimately what, what we want. And so when you can discover that, then, you know, everyone's trying to change everyone else. Right? I, I've spent so many years trying to change my wife and change my kids and change my parents and change my, <laughs> my friends, right? But you can't. You can't do it because you can't remove their hand from their eyes. You could pull at it. It won't move because there's the, you have to just show by example, right? We have to just be a light to everyone else. When they see you glowing from joy, they're going to go, what is that? What do you have? Give me that, man. That's what I, that's what I really want.
Yeah, I can totally relate to that, especially going through the, the self-help and personal development arena, right? Once we learn something new, we're like, oh, we got to share this to our friends and our family and our partners yeah. and change everyone and help everyone. But yeah, once you start doing that, you start noticing not everyone actually wants your help. <laughs> yes, they don't want your help and they don't need your help. They need someone to just be an example. We all just need to be examples for everyone else. You know, and what I found, by the way, is um, when I was getting on lots of podcasts and speaking and, and hearing questions like when you ask me questions. So now I have to dig deeper. You know, the more questions you ask, the more you dig. So that's what I love about podcasts is I go on podcasts and people ask me all different types of questions. And I'm like, oh, God, I didn't think about that one. OK, <laughs> now I'm starting to get creative and trying to figure myself out. And the more you get on podcasts, the more you actually figure yourself out. So many people are thinking, well, I can't get on podcasts because I don't know what to talk about. Just get on some podcasts and you'll see you'll, you'll have plenty to talk about. You'll start opening up to, to, to things that you didn't know that you knew. And the beautiful thing is there's so many podcasts out there that even if you get on 10, 20, 50, 100, you just keep keep going. No one's going to judge you. No one's really going to care because everyone cares about themselves. They don't really care. So, you know, today you might go on a podcast and you might totally, you know, blow it, but no one's going to remember that. Only you. You're the only one that's going to remember that. So just let it go and just get on more podcasts and you'll figure yourself out as you go along the journey. You'll start to realize, wow, I didn't know this door existed. Let's open this one up, right? We have to go back to, to the way we were as children, you know, when we were about two, three years old, where everything was fascinating. Everything was an adventure. You know, I just took my two-year-old for a walk about an hour ago, and uh, we went to the park, and he saw this little rock, and he started climbing on the rock, and he started balancing on the rock, and he was laughing and having a great time. And I turned to my wife, I said, I wish I could stand on a rock and just be totally happy. Like, <laughs> my God, where have we come? Like, you know, I, for me to be happy, oh my God, I've got, you know, we've got to go on Netflix and like watch three hours of some dramatic, like insane, intense cin cinematography with incredible acting. Like to, to entertain me, like you've really got to like work hard. But my two-year-old, he gets on a little rock and he's like, you know, enjoying himself and having a great time because it's it's a challenge for him and it's something fascinating and intriguing. And we need to get back to that uh, childhood innocence where everything is just a wonder. Like, wow, cur get curious. Just get curious. Like, if you're if you're thinking about you know doing something and you're holding yourself back, just get curious about it. Just look at it as an adventure that you're just going to go on and wherever you go, you go. Just enjoy the journey. I love that you touched upon going to the childhood uh, childhood innocence and the fun because that's something that I've always uh, valued and tried to implement into my life as well as business is I have to make sure I'm having fun. If mm -hmm. I'm not having fun doing the podcasts, doing the interviews, uh, doing the marketing, creating the content, then I'm going wrong somewhere. It's an indication, it's a huge integration. I remember you know, go, starting the business stuff, right? It's like you do the 
the, the accounting and all the paperwork and all the marketing, the sales, and the, you start getting grinded down by the seriousness of like mm -hmm. consultations and getting sales and if you don't get the right client and all that kind of thing. You get bogged down, right? I mean, people go, oh, no, you're, you're not the right client or the right audience and things like that. And it, it, it got too serious. And I was just like, I don't feel like I'm having fun anymore. Mm. It's because I put so much seriousness, especially when you start doing like those business network networking and stuff mm. like that with you know very strict stricter business people or different mm. values and beliefs. You know, it's just different types of um, people and, and not the right audience really. And I was like, hmm, I'm not having fun anymore. So that's a big indication of of where I'm going wrong for me anyway, right? Well, for you, yeah. Daniel, what? What do you do to have fun nowadays? You'd be surprised. The simplest things, uh, just spending time with my children and my wife is probably the most fun that I could have. Um, it really just comes down to spending time with loved ones. Um, and yeah, doing things like this, getting on podcasts and, and just having a great conversation with another human being who's, you know, curious and fascinated and wants to know more, um, to me that's that lights me up you know um watching watching people um grow and watching myself grow it really inspires me and motivates me to keep going uh because we we live in a very special world you know you could look at the world as dark and destructive and the government and the this and that and evil and or you can also look at the good side of the world. You just go to a forest. <laughs> you just go to a forest. Just go to a forest and look at absolute beauty. It's such it's such beauty. And it's there. We just can't see it most of the time because we're too busy being busy. You know. And what helps you with like um tension and stress and, and you know challenging things that come your way are there any habits or things routines that you do i try to create an environment that gives me peace mm. um so for example right now i'm sitting in my office it's a home office uh so that way i'm around whenever my wife and kids need me but they also know that obviously there are boundaries so at certain times they're not they're not allowed to disturb daddy's daddy's in his cave um but it's great to be here um and i've set up my i've designed my office to be um sort of um almost like being in in a nature reserve so i've got a little water fountain over here um on my dad i don't know if you can hear it by the way but it's it's there um, it's a beautiful little fountain. I like to hear the trickling of water. Oh, um, interesting. I have the lighting in here is very, um, it's it's more of a natural dimmer light. So it's got more of an atmosphere to it. It's not like a harsh white light. You'd be surprised how much lighting changes your mood. Mm. Um, so like harsh, bright, fluorescent lights really... Uh, can can change your mood and and make you feel a little cold and depressed and heavy whereas um more warm yellow lights can really uplift your mood and make you feel more peaceful um i collect wood when i go for walks in the forest and i take the pieces of wood 
back with me sometimes. And so I've, you know, set them up in a, a corner of my office. Um, I've got plants that are, um, they give off energy and uh, they're just really good um, to have around. Like, you know, plants are really great, but everybody's different. You know, some people may not enjoy the sound of water. Some people might not like, you know, uh, wood, whatever. I, everybody's different. Um, I play music that, you know, really gets me, depending on my mood, if I want to be more relaxed, I'll play something more classical or more um, sort of just lighthearted. Uh, but if I want to, like, get into, you know, power, power zone, you know, just, like, totally go crazy and, you know, I'll listen to Metallica, you know, just da -da -da -da, da -da -da, you know, so you've got to, you got you got to use, use the, the resources that are available. There are, there's so many resources available to us. You talked about, you said a word, you said, uh, uh, do you have any, what was the word you used? You said, um, routines, right? Mm. You said, do you have any routines? I don't like routines. So, for me, routines actually make me feel anxious. Um, I try to stay away from tactics and like routines and all this stuff because I realize that I just don't flow um, best when I've got that. I, I need to have some structure. There's no question. There's yeah, some structure. Is, structure is important. But when it comes to like, you know, specific routines, I used to be like that where I'd have to have like, you know, at three o'clock, I'm going to do this. And at 335, I'm going to do that. And I'm, I'm going to meditate for six and a half minutes. And I'm going to, it's, it just doesn't work for me. Like, it's just not, a, you know what I'm saying? You have to Absolutely. find, you have to find what really works for you. Um, you know, I have a meditation chair in my room. And so when I need, when I feel the need to meditate, I'll sit down and I'll, uh, do some breathing and I'll play some music and I'll just go into meditation. Um, but I think it's just really, really important to get to know yourself, you know, start mm. to, I think, you know, start to make it a mission or a project to get to know yourself better. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And you touched upon breathing as well. Is that something that you, um, well, I would say breathing is probably that the best resource and and undervalued resource as well of um, resetting your mind and your emotions. Well, I kind of find it funny because you'd be surprised. You know, imagine <laughs> we have to teach people how to breathe. Like this is how far we've come as a human race. Like we need to learn how to breathe. Yes, yeah, that's where we've got to. We we <laughs> the world you know, mankind has somehow managed to uh, mess with the design of our creator to the point where we have to actually learn how to breathe again. Because, because it's not... It, yeah, because we're so wound up. <laughs> so overwhelmed so, so, with information and yeah. things to do and consumption of you know, other people's emotions. Imagine, imagine you told your great-grandmother you're going to teach her how to breathe. <laughs> she, she'd laugh at you. She'd think you're nuts. Learn how to breathe. Uh, breathe. What's, you know, back in the day, they, they didn't need, they didn't need to do this because they, <laughs> they weren't like flying a hundred miles an hour per second every minute. You know, they were, they, things were slower. 
things were slower. You know, you wrote a letter to someone and it took three days to get there. And, you know, it took another three days to get back. And you made a cup of tea and you had to go and chop some wood and put it into a, uh, into a thing and make a fire and then fetch some water from the well and then put it on the fire. Like you had, you had time, you, you spent time doing things. <laughs> Today, if I send a WhatsApp and it's not sent within half a second, I'm, I'm freaking out. Well, what's wrong with my phone? Why is the internet not working so well? You know, what's going on over here? And so now I got to breathe because uh, my system's all out of whack. You don't have to teach a donkey how to breathe. You know what I'm saying? Donkey breathes very fine. No problem. You know? <laughs> you know, but that's just how we did this to ourselves. So, yes, breathing is important. But even more important than breathing is getting to a place where you don't have to do that. You, you, you avoid getting stressed and wound up in the first place. But yes, breathing is important to do because, you know, it helps to, you know, we, we can't avoid this. We live in an environment now where things are just so fast and they are stressful. But um, just taking time out is important. I love you said um, finding yourself and taking the time out to to really know yourself because that's the most difficult part most people are struggling nowadays is getting to the point they feel like they don't know themselves and they don't mm -hmm. know what they love anymore they don't know what they what they do to have fun <laughs> and be childlike and be curious anymore because they're so mm -hmm. caught up right yeah so Daniel uh, I'm aware of time as well. What would people, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? And I'll make sure to put the, the links in the comments as well. Yeah, uh, they can go to danielgeffen.com. Daniel Geffen is with one F. Um, that's where they could see my podcast. Um, and they can also go to podbooker.com if they want to sign up. It's free. Uh, there's no charge for that right now. So if you're a host and you want to create a, a podcast host profile and 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 find guests for your show, um, it's free to sign up. And if you're a guest and you want to get on other people's podcasts to start, you know, getting your name out there and start spreading your brand, um, it's also free. So and you could be both a host and a guest. You can have both profiles. Uh, it's podbooker.com. P-O-D-B-O-O-K-E-R.com. Awesome. Thank you for your time, Daniel. I really appreciate it. Uh, I love this conversation as well. I'm sure we could go for hours on end if we wasn't restricted for time. Yeah, thank you very, very much, Jono. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you again, Daniel. Thank you for listening to the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership. I hope you found this interview insightful and useful. Please remember to subscribe and review the podcast and if you have found it useful, please feel free to send it and share it to your network as I will be very appreciative that it will spread and help out more people in the world. If you would like more information or the show notes and resources that I will be providing you, then please go to www.johnopoon.com, go to the blog and find the podcast section. Step up, show up and stay up. Take care.